Good morning, everyone. How are we feeling? You're feeling good. You sound good. You sound good, despite the weather, right? Despite the fact it's raining again. But hey, we're headed into a week where there's no rain. I know it's rain's needed, right? But um, excited uh, to see some sunshine here. And um, looking forward to continuing on in our relationship series with you today. So let me quickly introduce myself. My name is John. I'm one of the pastors here at the church. If I haven't had a chance to meet you, I uh, work with like the youth and the kids here and uh, do some stuff with the men's ministry. So uh, yeah, it's great to be with you this morning. We're going to continue on in this relationship series, which we started last week. It's the first one of the year that uh, we're heading into. And it's a good one because look, we all have relationships, right? You got relationships in your life? You do, right? So raise your hand if you've got a relationship in your life, anything at all. Okay, good. You, all right. So this message is for you, okay? This message is for you. And uh, it's good for us to learn about relationships because they're all around us. And uh, how we relate to each other, how we treat each other, uh, how we go in life alongside each other uh, matters. How we do that. And so hence the name of our series, Relationships Matter. You've got a son. You've got a daughter. You've got family members, people at work. You have... You know, people here at the church, okay? And so the idea is, how do, we, how do we work out our relationships in a way that honors the Lord? Because really, that's kind of our, that's, that's the biggest thing, right? We want to honor the Lord and how we relate to each other. And the reality is, sometimes we mess it up, right? Sometimes we, we fight and we quarrel and uh, we, we, we go at each other. And uh, that's what Brett talked about last week. You know, what's the reason for all this? Like, why do we, why do we find ourselves in conflict? And if you missed that message, you got to go back and check it out because it's good. It's a good baseline message for us to go back to the beginning and say, okay, why does this all happen in the first place? And uh, if you can answer that question, then maybe you can avoid some of the conflict. But uh, today what we're going to do is we're going to build upon what Brett talked about last week and, and get into the idea of, okay, how do we work out our conflict? How do, we, how do we resolve the conflict that we find ourselves in? Because the reality is that uh, you either just dealt with conflict, you're in the middle of conflict, or guess what? Ding dong, conflict's at the door, okay? Like you're ready for it, okay? It's just a part of life, and it's because we live in a fallen and broken world, and, you know, people are sinful, and, 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 we're, and, and we don't get things right, and we're selfish, and we want our own things. And because of all of that, there's things that break down in our relationships. And so if you're like me, guys, you just want to fix it, right? You just, just tell me what I need to do to fix it so we can kind of move on. Um, maybe, ladies, you're in that boat as well when it comes to conflict. You want to work it out. You kind of just want to make things good again. You want to be at peace. And uh, you're here on a great weekend because that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about how do we work out our conflict? How do we resolve the conflict that we find ourselves in? And I'm going to give you the big idea before we look at the passage. The big idea is this. You ready for it? Humility. It's about you being humble. Humbling yourself, lowering yourself, not thinking too highly of yourself, putting others and their needs before yourself. This last week as I was reading more about the idea of humility, it, it said you want, to get, you want to get out of conflict, the way up out of a relationship that has gone south is to lower yourself. You, you got to humble yourself if you want to work through the conflict. And so um, that's just not something I think it's what the passage says. So let's go ahead and, and look at James chapter 4. We're going to be in verse 6 through 10. It says, but he gives more grace. 
We have a God who is very full of grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. There's our first word there, humility. Okay, submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hearts, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. Let's pray together this morning. Lord, I uh, just ask that you would uh, be speaking through me this morning and by using your word to guide and direct us in our relationships, show us what it is you want us to hear about uh, conflict resolution and working out uh, the things that we have in our lives that have gone wrong. God, you desire for us to have good relationships, ones that are at peace with one another, ones that are encouraging and loving. And so God, would you show us the way? Uh, Would you be our teacher this morning, as you always are, and use your word to guide and correct us? And it's in your name we pray. Amen. 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 All right, so today we're going to talk about uh, conflict resolution. And and, uh, we're going to be in James chapter 4. And, uh, you know, conflict is not always uh, equal, right? I mean, what I mean by that is not all conflict is created equal. That's what I'm trying to say. That, that sometimes you have some conflict and you can work through it pretty simply, right? You can kind of just deal with it. You kind of understand each other. You work through it and then you move on. But other conflict can be sometimes more complicated and maybe it can be more hurtful. Maybe there's more pain involved in it. Uh, maybe the person that you're in conflict with matters more to you and so therefore it carries a heavier burden and so it weighs on you in a different way. And you know, sometimes uh, people who are looking to get out of conflict uh, will ask each other, hey, what would you do? Or you know, what do you think I should do? And if, if you've ever had someone in your life tell you, hey, you know what you got to do? You got to just avoid them, all right? You just got to, you just got to duck out of the way, okay? I would tell you that that's not the best prescription for conflict resolution, although I'm guilty of doing that. You see somebody in Costco, you've all done it. You duck into the other aisle, right? <laughs> you're in Target and you're parking your car and you see them, you're like, whoop, I'm going to go to Walmart today, all right? Um, it's on the other side of town, but I'm going to do it anyways, right? I mean, it's not healthy for us to run away from, you know, conflict, right? It's not healthy for us to do that because it, pride begins to settle in. Pride begins to be the thing that drives why you do and what you do what you're doing. Because pride is, is saying, you know, you're better than them, you know, uh, that uh, you don't want to be around them, uh, that uh, you've done everything right, and, and, and they're the ones who are in the wrong, and pride begins to settle in. And pride is the opposite of the prescription in which James tells us we ought to do in order to work ourselves through the conflict. Humility is the cure. Humility is how we work out our differences. And the first thing that we've got to do if we're going to be humble is we've got to have a right view of ourselves. So you have to have a right view of who you are. To work out your conflict with another person, you've got to hold up the mirror and you've got to have a right view of who you are. The idea here is that, you know, go back to the beginning. In the grand scheme of all of it, who, who are you? And I hate to be the bearer of bad news, and I'm not saying it to you, but I'm also saying it to me, and it's this. You're not all that great, all right? You're not all that great. You might think you are, but just because you think you are doesn't mean it's true, right? You can think all that you want, but the reality is if you begin thinking through who we are, 
right? We, we, we have shortcomings, right? We, we, are, we have weaknesses. We, we don't always meet the standard. Uh, we might think it in our own head, and we might push down or suppress the things in our life that we're not so good at um, or that are our weaknesses. But we like to highlight the things that we're really good at and focus on those. And the idea here is to, to humble ourselves is to have a right view of ourselves, a 360-degree angle of who you are. I was reading a survey this last week that was given to a group of people. <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> given to a group of people who were um, on a dating website. And they didn't tell me what the website was, but like thousands of people took this survey. And uh, they asked them a series of questions. And a bunch of these questions were about basically who they are. And so they were asking them all these questions about themselves. And so they were going through the survey, they were answering them. And it was so funny because the, the article was describing the findings of the survey. And it was kind of like really getting at the guys and how the guys answered the question. Guys, do we have a problem at all uh, thinking more highly about ourselves maybe? The fish was this big, huh? Um, but uh, the guys, they were answering the questions. And one of the questions on the, the survey was, are you a genius? Yes or no? And geniuses do, you know, exist, right? Geniuses are out there. Um, but there's not a ton of them, right? I mean, it's like one in a thousand maybe, right? But in the survey, it found that two out of every five men said, yes, I'm a genius. It's like the guys were like going through the survey and they're like, well, you know, if you're going to press me on it, right? If you're going to back me into a corner, then yeah, I'm, I'm a genius. There, I said it right? It's kind of like, guys, come on. And it was funny how the, uh, how the article finished was it said that two out of five guys think they're one in a thousand. And um, the, the comedy in it all is that, you know, we, we recognize the truth of the fact that we all kind of have that, that, that problem, right? We have that problem where we tend to not have the right view of ourselves. That 360 view, we kind of think more highly of ourselves. We overestimate. We don't tend to bring in our weaknesses and our shortcomings. And that type of approach towards life is just, that's just prideful. That's just a very prideful way, proud way to live your life, to, to, to handle your relationships, to think that you've got no thing in your life that you're not perfect at or that you're good at or, or whatever it may be. And so, I mean, it all starts with us recognizing, okay, who are we? You know, the cure for conflict is the opposite of, of, of pride. I'm going to say it multiple times today. You've got to humble yourself. That's why it says in verse 6 of our chapter that we're looking at today, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. The word opposes here, used in this verse, is in the Greek, antitosomai. It means to literally battle against. It's like a military term. So there's a fight involved. So this is translated literally as God battles against those who are prideful. He resists them. He does not bless them. One writer puts it this way, that pride is the mother of all sins. The mother, like the foundation. It all comes from pride. All the sins are because of pride. C.S. Lewis, great writer, thinker, theologian, he has lots of articles and um, books and things that talk about pride and humility. And in one of them, he says, according to Christian teachers, the essential vice, the utmost evil is pride, unchastity, anger, greed, drunkenness, and all the like. 
are mere flea bites in comparison. It was through pride that the devil became the devil. Pride leads to every other vice. It is the complete anti-God state of mind. How are you feeling about humbling yourself this morning? It'd be a really good thing for us all to do. Some pretty strong words from C.S. Lewis. It was pride and it was conceit that what led the devil to become the devil. Lucifer, this beautiful, powerful, high-ranking angel who believed that God was withholding his goodness, that wanted more, that felt like he was entitled to the power that God had when God created him. He falls from grace, rebels against God. Why? Because of his pride. Because of his pride. It's relationship with God completely torn up. What is it that Satan uses to get at both Adam and Eve back in the book of Genesis, chapter 3, to get them to rebel against God? It's to get them to think that God's withholding goodness from them, that they deserve more. You're right, I do. I do deserve more. I'm going to rebel. I, 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 I'm owed this. It's pride. Pride is, is one of the things that will keep you in the conflict of your relationships as long as you want to be. But when you humble yourself, when you lower yourself, when you have a right view of yourself, when you don't battle against God in your proudness and against the relationship, your humility exalts you. Your humility lifts you up. Your humility finds a way out of it because that's the way in which God has designed it. And it works. I mean, when we think about this idea of who are you, think about yourself. I mean, we have to go back to like everything that you have right now. Why do you have what you have? Who gave it to you? Do you have anything right now that wasn't already given to you as a gift from God? You say, well, I bought this shirt and I went to the store and paid for these shoes from the paycheck that I got at the, at the hours that I put in at work. But go back, keep going back. Who, who gave you life? The breath in your lungs, the abilities and the talents, the opportunities. Everything that you have is a gift. And everything that you have, you cannot pride yourself with. You must give the glory all to God. It is all a gift from heaven above that you have what you have. If you let the things that you have be the things that you, you pride yourself on, guess what? Those things are going to fade away. Moths and rust will destroy them. But seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. Make your life about him, about God, about what he's done for, for you and for me. And that's why having a right view of ourselves is what Paul says in Romans chapter 12. He says, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. Do not He's not saying think more highly than you thought. Do not, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. What does that mean? Clarity of mind. Not being impacted by anything else. Sober judgment in accordance with the faith that God has distributed to each of you. And so the gold here in the principle is that when we get our eyes off of ourselves and we put our eyes on God and we put our, our, our focus on the needs and serving other people, loving other people, putting other people before ourselves, what happens is our world and the way we see it, it gets, re, it, it gets a reorientation to where it's not about us, but it's about God, and it's about 
the other person across from you. It's, it's why we're called to love our neighbor as ourself and, and pray for those and, and bless those and encourage those because life's not all about you and what you want out of it. But God has created you to be a blessing, to humble yourself, to work out the conflict in a humble way. You know, one of the ways that humility has been defined before, again, by C.S. Lewis, is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking about yourself less. You understand the difference? It's not thinking that you have less value than another person. That's not what God wants you to think. We're all created in the image of God, and we have intrinsic value. You do, because of you just being who you are. But it's about the amount of time that you think about yourself needs to go down. Don't think so much about you and your world. Think about his kingdom and having it come from heaven to earth. And how can you be a part of making that happen as you cooperate with the Holy Spirit as he's leading you in this life? You know, so you're saying, John, what, is, what does it mean to have a right view of ourselves? Well, I wrote down a little definition I thought I could share with you guys. The right view of ourselves. We are God's creatures, small, finite, dependent, limited in intelligence and ability. We're prone to sin, and we are soon to die and face God's judgment. There you go. Take a picture. Share it on your social media. Tell your friends, okay? I mean, it's, it, it's not that encouraging, but at the same time, it is encouraging because of the good news of the gospel that God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son for you and for me. And as we come into relationship with him, it changes everything. Because this is, this is what we're born into. The judgment, the wrath, sinfulness. But God's grace, his mercy, and his love through Jesus Christ's death on the cross is that it, it changes the way in which we then um, you know, live and hope and have joy in this life. But that is a good right view of ourselves, recognizing who we are. And so how, how, how much then should we be thankful to God and what he's done for us, right? It changes, it changes everything. The second thing that um, I want us to look at this morning is how do we resolve conflict according to James is we got to turn to God, okay? we got to turn to God. It says this in uh, verses 7 and 8, Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. And then he says, cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Again, you see the theme of humility, right? You see the theme of humility woven throughout these verses that, that, that just show you how important it is for us to, to work it out in a humble spirit. I mean, can, can we submit to God if we don't humble ourselves? The answer would be no. You can't submit to anybody, right, unless you, you willingly lower yourself and put Put yourself underneath the submission of them, right? Um, literally, the, the word here, submit yourselves, is another military term that means to get into your proper rank, okay? Parents, you ever said this to your kids before? Hey, I'm the parent, you're the kid, all right? We do what I say, all right? Get in line, go clean your room, <laughs> right? And they're like, well, you're the mom, you're the dad, I can't really do anything. Okay, if any of you ever have any type of, you know, uh, past interactions with people who are in the military or police department, fire department, sheriffs, things like that. Okay, there's rankings in, in, in those divisions, right? You've got, you know, privates and corporals and you have, you know, sergeants and captains and generals and chiefs. And, and let me just ask you a question, okay? Does rank matter in those worlds? 
100%, right? 100%. You don't do anything other than get into your proper rank or else bad things happen, okay? So it's good for you if you're in the military to get into your proper ranking, right? Okay, let me just say it this way, okay? God outranks you. He does. He outranks you all day, every day, all the time, okay? Even on your best day, you're not even close to the goodness of God. And, and you're asking yourself, well, why would I want to submit to God? Because the, 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 the opposite of that would be that then you're submitting to this world. You're submitting to the devil. You're submitting to the ways of this world. And so you've got a choice here. You can either submit to God or you can give in to the ways and schemes and the temptations of the devil. You can be led by the devil. You can go after this world. And so James is saying, humble yourself, submit to God, submit to his ways, align yourself with what he desires, the will for your life. And as you do that, there will be a natural resistance of the devil in your life. To resist the devil is something that you can do through the power of the Spirit. I think sometimes Christians think, well, you know, I, I can't resist the devil. The devil's always going to, he's never going to leave me. Yes, he will. He will flee from you. The devil will flee from you as you resist him. Well, how do you resist him? Well, you draw close to God. We don't need to overcomplicate things. We draw close to God. As we draw close to God, as we move towards God, he moves towards us. It's the promise of his faithfulness to you and to me. That as we desire to want to know more, be more, love more like God, then he will draw towards you and me and show us and work in us and cause a change in our hearts and in our minds to think more like him. This passage is saying, look, if you're going to resist something in this life, don't resist the goodness of God. Submit to him. Humble yourself. Because he's good. Because he's loving. Because he's forgiving. Because he is fair. Because he's faithful. We did a whole series on this back in the fall about God is. I mean, there's every reason for it. Have you ever been underneath the submission of a leader or somebody maybe at work that just leads with gentleness and kindness, purity, wholesome? Just there's, there's this sense of there, there's, a, there's a rest that comes being underneath their submission because there's a confidence of who they are. I mean, your confidence should be through the roof when it comes to God because he is altogether lovely altogether wonderful. He's good to you and to me. And so God would have us submit ourselves to him, draw near to him. And when it says, cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, it's, it's you coming to God and acknowledging your sin, acknowledging how you've messed things up, and that the things in your life that have not honored the Lord, that you acknowledge them and you ask the Lord's forgiveness. You repent of them. You, 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 you are at a place where you recognize it's wrong. I've wronged you, Lord. I've wronged this person. Our relationship is at, is at odds. Wash me. 
I'm a sinner. I'm in need of your forgiveness. I'm in need of your, of your grace. You know, the Bible is very clear that, you know, if Satan's going to fight the battle in this life, he needs a foothold. And, it's, and at times, you and I, the, not, the way in which we handle our relationships poorly or not humbly and too pridefully is a way in which I believe that Satan will use relationship drama to draw you away from God. I mean, how many times has it happened where there's been drama within even the church and there's been division and people leave? And they never come back. It's a tool in which the, the devil would use to cause people to, to walk away from God and not consider all the goodness that is found in him. You know, and that's why we need to take on the mind of Christ. If you're a believer in Jesus this morning, you need to take on the mind of Christ, the example of Christ, which you find in Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 9. You can read it more in depth this week. I'm not going to put it up on the screens, but this is all about the mind of Christ. How do you think in the same way that Christ would think when it comes to humbling yourself? This is what it says. Have this mind among you, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to grasp. But he emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, which is the name of Jesus. You know, this type of thinking, this mind of Christ doesn't come naturally to us. It's something that God works in our lives over time, right? It's a, it's, a, it's a cooperation with the Spirit as He sanctifies us and makes us more like Him. And so how are we going to work out our conflicts? We're going to turn to God. We're going to submit to Him. We're going to humble ourselves. Demand nothing. Instead, we take on the form of a servant in our relationships, serving one another, obeying the Lord no matter what it costs, and remembering that the reward that God promises is that he will exalt us in our humility. Now, the last thing that I want to say about resolving conflict is that we got to take some personal responsibility, all right? We got to take some personal responsibility. In uh, verses 9 and 10, it says, Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. There's that word again, humble. You see it? So we call this a bookend passage where in verse 6 it starts with humility and then in verse 10 it ends with humility. So on both sides you've got humility and it's the theme that runs through the entire passage. And it's this idea, look, if you've got conflict, okay, humble yourself and, and, and deal with it. Deal with it. Pride would say run away. Avoid. Self-preservation, it's all about you. But humility says it's all about them. Let's work this out. And the worst thing you could do if you're in the middle of conflict right now is just act like nothing ever happened. Just to go on living like, like you didn't say what you said, the things didn't happen that happened, that you would just ignore it. And, and James is saying this is a very serious thing for us to, to think about. Your relationships matter. Last week when Brett shared with us uh, what I thought was a, a great thing for us to think about and consider is that relationships are spiritual. You say, well, how can you say that? Because it involves the heart, which means that when there's conflict going on, it's a spiritual battle. 
to spiritual warfare. There's things at work, even beyond yourself, that are happening to cause the conflict. And so we have to consider, okay, my relationship with the Lord, my relationship with this other person, and the idea here is taking personal responsibility is when you recognize that you are at fault or that there's something that you've done that both grieves the heart of God but also grieves the heart of the person across the table, then that should cause you to go to a place of being torn up about it. Like it should, it should impact you emotionally. It should hurt. You should feel bad that, that this happened. And it's a, this idea of mourning and weeping is this emotional connection to this idea of, I've messed up. I've messed up, God. I did it again. And it's like, don't too quickly go to the joy. Don't like gloss over it. Don't, don't skip. Don't just like think to yourself that I can just move on. But deal with it. Handle it. Handle it personally first. Go to God. And then handle it with the person across the table that you're having the conflict with and say, look, and be humble about it. And make it about the things that you've done wrong and apologize for them. And say to them, look, I've wronged you. You know, I think sometimes we get to a place of thinking, um, and I've been there, <laughs> that, you know, look, I, I get what you're saying, John, that, you know, all of this talk about being humble and working out your conflict and all that stuff, I get it. But, John, seriously, um, I have zero responsibility in this conflict that I'm in right now. Like, I have no idea why they're coming at me and what they're doing. They are just like crazy person, all right? Okay, I get it. That happens, okay? That, that, that does. But at the same time, you're going to sit there and tell me that you're connected to this somehow and you've got zero responsibility? You know what that tells me? That's your pride talking. That's your pride talking. That's you saying, I am better would you just let it cross your mind that maybe, just maybe, you've got something to do here in this relational conflict? And yes, it does take two people humbling themselves in order for the conflict to be resolved. But here's what I want to encourage you with today. You can only do what you can do. You can only do what you can do. And once you've done it, then you've fulfilled the command, which is to do all that you can to live at peace with one another. Have you done that? Well, then find freedom in it. Find freedom in it. Continue to pray for that person, love that person, encourage that person as best you can. But you've done all that you can do. But the question is, have you yet? And if there's a place in your relationship where you need to go, then go and do that. Ephesians chapter 4 tells us about the urgency of working out our conflicts. Don't let the sun go down on you while you're still angry meaning take care of your issues before the day is over, okay? There's a sense of urgency, an undertone of urgency. Go do it now, okay? Matthew 5, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. Very action-oriented. Go. First, be reconciled to your brother. Make things right. Humble yourself. And then come offer your gift. And there are others, and, you know, taking responsibility and working out your differences, you know, the Bible talks about in a lot of ways. It's a, it's a really big deal. And um, I, I just want to encourage you this morning to just really think through, 
you know, um, the conflict that uh, maybe you're in right now or, or maybe a friend of yours is in. And, you know, it's, it, it comes back to this idea of humility. And so maybe you're asking yourself this morning, how do I grow in humility? You know, how do I increase my humility? I think it has to do with, you know, just being very thankful and grateful for what God has done for us, recognizing who we are, you know, in relationship to God and everything that he's given us. You know, I think that that's one way that we can increase our our humility. Um, but I also think that it's a work of God in our lives, right? It's a work of God opening up our eyes and helping us see, you know, everything that, that uh, about ourselves and about God's love for us. And this last week I was reading through just different stuff. And I like reading through this guy named John Piper. Maybe you've heard of him before. He's, a, he's an old pastor guy in the northern Midwest, I think Minnesota or somewhere. And, um, and he just said some things that completely, like, blew my mind. And it had everything to do about this idea of an encounter with Jesus. Like, like when we truly encounter Jesus and we truly encounter what God has done for us through his son, Jesus, um, that, that that can be the beginning of like a launch into us understanding and living out humility um, in, in a deeper way. And, and, and this is what he said. He said, humility comes from being stunned at the grace of God. When he owed you nothing but hell, God went to hell for you. Until you are stunned by that, you will have a sense of entitlement. You will walk through this life and your basic orientation will be, you owe me. But as soon as it lands on you with stunning force that you were owed hell and you got heaven at the cost of the life of the Son of God, so much for your sense of entitlement. It's over. Humility happens. This is what he says that it ends. It's a battle. We must preach it to ourselves every day. Preach the gospel to ourselves every day. It is a battle. Thanks be to God that he has worked it out through his son, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you so much for today and for your word and for just even that quote from John Piper, Lord. Just thank you for the words that he was able to string together, help us understand it. It came from you, God, and um, I pray that uh, today we would recognize ourselves in a little bit more of a humble way today. That we would lower ourselves and recognize you to be the King of kings and Lord of lords and, and humble ourselves in our relationships. And I just want to pray for those of you here that uh, you need to just ask the Lord to forgive you for your bitterness and for your resentment and your anger that you're holding towards somebody. Just pray that you would just release that to God and just pray that he would cleanse you and repent of the ways in which that you've dishonored him and dishonored those around you with the promise of knowing that his forgiveness washes over you and that his grace is sufficient and it never runs out and that in your humility he will exalt you. If you're here this morning and you don't have the assurance of your salvation then today is the day of of salvation the Bible says and you can come into relationship with God and so I invite you those of you who aren't sure of your salvation to come to come to the Lord today. Submit yourself to him. 
invite Jesus into your life and, and acknowledge him as King of kings and Lord of lords and just say, God, I'm a sinner and I'm in need of your grace and your forgiveness and I humble myself before you. And I ask for your forgiveness. I ask for your washing and I ask for your cleansing because I am a sinner. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for me, to take my place, and thank you for giving me yourself and bringing me to new life in you. Lord, we thank you for your word and we thank you for this truth of the passage. May we be a people marked by humility, knowing that you call us to not consider ourselves more highly than we ought, but to put you first and to put those around us first. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.